Welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I am David Bax. And thank you for listening, David. I don't listen, but... Yes, uh, I know. <laughs> uh, maybe if you did, the show would be better, because you, you could hear all the things we're doing wrong. Well, why don't you listen, then? <laughs> because we do a lot of things wrong, and right, I, I, you know, I, it just make me feel bad. Yeah. Um, how you doing, David? Uh, I'm fine, I guess. I don't know. Making it? Uh, yeah, you know what? I, have I talked about this on the podcast? I don't know. About a year ago, right or right almost exactly year ago, it was right before Thanksgiving last year, mm-hmm. I started meditating. You've not talked about it on the show, and I don't think you've told me. Yeah, I have. I've definitely told you. I remember telling you. Well, you know what? Admittedly, I don't listen I to say, you yeah. either. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, also, I feel like your kids are still young enough that you've got that card. Like, uh, sorry, I'm scattered. That's brain. probably got, true. Like, yeah. Brain or whatever. Um, y- yeah. And so it's been like almost a year. And I think a really smart thing, a, a good thing happened lately. Mm-hmm. Recently. Cause I use this meditation app. I'm not going to name. Right. Are you sure I haven't talked about this? Maybe I, on the show. I don't think so. No. Maybe on an episode that I, that I wasn't on possibly, um, but. Cause I don't want to like name the, uh, the app for whatever reason. Right. Um, but it has like a, it had, you know, has these guided meditations, but it also has like a run streak counter, like how many days in a row you've meditated. Mm. And that I feel like is counterproductive for me. Oh, a hundred percent. Um, and so I've been doing it since November, but while I was on vacation in vacation mode, I forgot to do it for a couple of days. And like, there was a second of me being like, Oh man, I broke my run streak. But now like, I think I'm, I think the meditation is working for me better yeah. now that I've broken the run streak that I'm just like meditating every morning. And so like you ask how I'm doing like, if I were to tell me a year ago, all the shit that I'm juggling right now, um, both just like works very busy. The website and podcast are very busy. There's also like personal stuff, um, going on that I can't talk about. I don't want to talk about, but like if I told myself this list of things a year ago, I'd have been like, Oh, you must be fucking miserable. You must be like a black cloud. Yeah. Everyone around you is hating their life. When you, as soon as you walk into a room, but I'm like weirdly able to, I guess, weather it a little better. I think yeah. because the meditation has taught me to like, it sounds corny, but like be more in the moment. Like, mm. like I know it's like, yeah, I know I have a bunch of shit on my plate, but I also know that right now the thing that I'm doing is recording this podcast and that's just what I'm doing right now. And I'll yeah. worry about the next thing next. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's obviously easier said than done. And, and certainly there's a, yeah. a Christian version of it where it says like, let tomorrow worry about itself and all that. And, uh, it says that in the Bible. And part of me is just like, yeah, easy for you to say you're a book. <laughs> Let tomorrow worry about itself. Yeah. Is actually in the, like, or right, sorry, it's, it's, it might be tomorrow's worries or something like that. Uh, there are a lot of different translations. Yeah. Cause I don't know that, that like each day has enough, a little more, a little more modern. Yeah, probably yeah. that might, that's probably me, uh, paraphrasing, but, uh, but yeah. Anyway, but, um, you wanted to talk about, uh, something very, uh, a very normal reaction that you had to, uh, some okay. some news recently. Here we go. Yeah. Okay. So Matthew six thirty four. Sorry, okay. everybody. This is not more than one lesson. Uh, therefore, do not That's worry right. about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day okay. has enough trouble of its own. Um, um, but yeah, we are. I know. 
Yeah, so this is more more than one lesson, but we are allowed to acknowledge that the Bible exists on this podcast. <laughs> you know what? I guess we'll see in the comments. Um, no, it's, uh, yeah, and so I did have, okay, so this is, at this point, this is a, a, like a, a week and a half uh, old. Okay. And it's going to sound so silly to people, maybe. I don't know. Um, so recently, and of course, it, I don't think it's, ever official but it might be as official as it's going to get okay uh, whom you ask true um i'm more of a skeptic i i think i am too but for for a different okay. reasons we'll get to it. Um, all right go ahead so uh apparently the zodiac killer has been identified by like there's a a group of like 50 investigators that like they work with each other and their whole thing is they they investigate cold cases uh, and put a lot of time and energy and resources into it and that sort of thing. And so they encountered this. I don't remember. I, I didn't follow, follow like every step of the way, but they basically said like, okay, this, this is about as certain as a person can get on the identity of the killer based on descriptions that people have given of him. And then this other guy who, who uh, committed a murder and it's like exactly the same. Like they showed sketches of the guy who committed a murder a few years ago and died in 2018. Okay. And then somebody's description of Zodiac. And I mean, it was admittedly, it looks like somebody drew the same thing twice. Right. Um, and so I don't remember, I don't remember the, the guy's name, but, um, but as I was reading it, like, and, and just a lot of outlets picked it up and they said like, this is, this is pretty close. Uh, and so I don't know if it's, it's, if, if it's official yet, it's not, we were talking off mic, uh, you know, it's not exactly uh, deep throat where Mark felt just said, yeah, it was, it was me. Like, <laughs> yeah. um, and because the guy is dead, it's, it's hard to necessarily, it's, it's that much harder if, if not straight up impossible to ever know officially. But, um, but I had, you know, uh, a weird reaction to it and one that makes me almost feel like this this could have been an entire episode um, where, you know, I mean, of course, I love movies so much and I love art so much. And whenever art dramatizes something in real life, mm -hmm. that becomes the real thing for me. You know, like that's not the real thing, but like that's the thing that I have the most connection with. Um, you know, like I went and visited Hearst Castle and the tour guide is talking all about William Randolph Hearst. And I was like, why aren't you making him the villain? Isn't he the villain? Isn't that like the whole deal? Um, and, uh, and then I realized like, oh, right. Not everybody is, not everybody thinks first and foremost of Citizen Kane and then his attempts to destroy Citizen Kane. Uh, some people just see him as a person yeah. that existed, albeit a very eccentric, egomaniacal person, but whatever. Anyway, and so, you know, obviously, and when you get to the something like murder, like mm -hmm. the Zodiac Killer, obviously it's a little bit crass to think as, think only in terms of the film. But I... I found myself having an odd reaction where it's not so much that I was disappointed uh, that like, let's let's for the sake of argument, let's say like, this was that this is the guy. Okay. Um, it's not so much that I was disappointed as it was just like, okay, so like every, 
every movie made about the Zodiac Killer, whether it be and speculating on his identity, whether it be the David Fincher film or a, a documentary, whatever, whatever it is, th- they're just rendered moot at this point. They're rendered f- fiction in their own way. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like, you know, when you got to 2001, the year, and you realize like, huh, yeah. I don't think we're going to, I don't think we're going to do it guys. I don't yeah. think we're going to make, make it to the Stanley Kubrick. And it, and like that, obviously that was science fiction, but it was far enough in advance that people could think like, Oh yeah, this, this is uh, feasible or whatever you want to say. Yeah. Um, and so I just, anytime like real life runs counter to a movie, I I wind up feeling a little bit disappointed because my heart is with the movie more than real life. Uh, and so I, I found myself oddly, it sounds so shitty. Like my first instinct was to feel a little bummed that the Zodiac, again, uh, for the sake of argument, it's the actual guy, um, a little bummed that he was actually identified this mystery. And it could actually bring a great deal of closure yeah. to, to yeah. families of victims and that sort of thing. Uh, and yet my first thought was like, Oh, so it's not the guy from Zodiac. Well, shoot. Now I guess Zodiac's a little cheapened and it's like, not really. <laughs> it's still a wonderful film. Um, but I like that you have that, that attachment. It's, uh, I don't know. It, it feels, it feels very shallow to me. I don't know. Um, I don't think I have that, but it's, it's interesting you mentioned Hearst because I was thinking about this when I saw Mank. Hmm. And I was thinking about how, like, okay, I, a person in his late 30s who has, you know, seen Citizen Kane and RKO 281 and, mm-hmm. and knows, just, you know, also seen things that aren't movies as read books and stuff. Um, <laughs> like... I know that that this is one point of view on on this character, mm-hmm. and there are um, people who would disagree with that. But if you're, but what I was thinking, like if you're like a budding film fan, right? In in, in the year 2020, you're like an 18, 19 year old. Yeah, you know David Fincher makes great movies, and you see Mank. Like Mank is gonna be your version of events. Yeah, the way it, that. Zodiac is your version of the Zodiac. Um, I remember thinking about that at the time, like, should I, I try not to like get too concerned with whether or not other people misinterpret things. Hmm. Um, but that is, um, it is interesting to think that a, a a movie, even a movie that's like only semi successful, I I guess Mank Mank got nominated for so many Oscars, but yeah, and it won a few. When it comes to Netflix stuff, I never really, you don't really know. Yeah. Except for squid game. You don't really know (laughs) (laughs) how many people are watching. The answer for squid game is everyone, but the entire. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. What's, what's infinity minus two. That's, (laughs) that's the audience for squid game. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, I guess I, I, I felt weird about like, was it, irresponsible of David Fincher to tell this story th- th- this way. And I don't, I don't think so. Right. My answer is no, he's allowed to tell whatever story yeah. uh, he wants, but it is weird to think that people will have their view of history shaped by a fictionalized movie. They saw, which I I'm sure I'm sure uh, I'm trying to think of an example of the top of my head that 
that uh, is true of me, but I, I, I can't think of one right now. But I'm sure there are plenty that I'm oh, sure. uh, misremembering how things went. You know, I guess if you if you mention the Battle of Guadalcanal, I'm picturing scenes from the Thin Red Line. Sure. I guess that's um, I'm not sure if that's like irresponsible uh, of me, but that is the first place my mind goes. Yeah, I mean, it's like. I mean, I I didn't mean to. Go, I guess I've got Hearst on the brain, but like Cats Meow, uh-huh. that is that is a speculative movie. Yeah, it's just a one rumor of, of what happened, but it's there. We're seeing it, and whatever's on the screen is what's real in that moment. Uh, and so it doesn't matter how much you contextualize it and say that it's based on a rumor or whatever. Uh, it feels very real. And I guess, I guess in a way I'm almost, I'm almost speaking to like just the power of film that like that. I mean, if you want to immortalize a real thing, you make a movie of it. Uh, and you, and however you make the movie, that's how that thing is going to be remembered. And so, uh, so yeah, it's, and then when real life interferes, it's just like, oh, well, I think I like the movie version more. <laughs> and e- even yeah. even when that uh, to do to to think that way is is a little bit crass, I think. But uh, but yeah, so it was just a, it was it was a weird it was weird to feel that inside of me and be like, on one hand, like, isn't that a ama- with that caveat of like assuming that it's that it's correct, but. Uh, isn't that amazing that after all these years, this, you know, decades old mystery has been solved. Like that's an amazing thing, but it's almost disappointing because Zodiac is such an effective mystery, you know? Uh, and now it's a little bit less mysterious. The world's a little bit, it's a little bit less magical of a world now that Zodiac has been identified. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let me, uh, go from that into telling you about tweakedaudio.com tweakedaudio.com is where you go for professional quality quality earbuds in a variety of stylish styles and colorful colors they look great they sound great tyler and i use them each and every day of our lives uh i have a brand new pair actually that's right um not a brand new pair of roller skates i have a brand new pair of tweakedaudio.com earbuds but i do Um, have this brand new key what do i do (laughs) um uh today i haven't used the brand new pair but on my old uh pair which is still good mm-hmm. uh, it still sounds great um today i was listening to as i have done a lot since he passed away very early in the pandemic of coronavirus i've been li- listening to john prine hmm. um tyler i don't know if you're a john prine guy but i'm telling you you're a john prine guy okay um you would you would very much like his um uh sort of country folk but also highly um he has a uh he's, he's got that wordsmith thing that mm-hmm. he can be like very funny but also be incredibly sad mm. um and and clever you know he has um so like the song i was listening to actually as i drove over here today to do this podcast is uh called uh the song's called yeah i guess they ought to name a drink after you um, <laughs> Uh, and it's, it's funny, but then I also listened to summer's end, which is an incredibly sad song. Um, and, uh, it's, you know, I, uh, I was aware of him before he died of the coronavirus, uh, mostly through like other artists covering his stuff. I think the first song I ever knew, um, by him was, a uh, Sam stone, which I heard covered by someone else whose name I'm forgetting right now. Um, but, uh, 
I feel sad that I didn't get into him more when he was still alive. And, um, you know, we're, uh, I mean, knock on every piece of wood you can find, but at least here in Southern California, cases are dropping again. Mm -hmm. Um, we, you know, we, we thought back in May and June, we were coming out of this thing and we, and we weren't. So I don't want to get, uh, I don't want to get fooled again. Um, especially as it gets colder. Uh, Uh, yeah, it does spike when it gets colder. Yeah. But, um, uh, looking at, with an eye on a future where we're, you know, the coronavirus is not going away, but in a future where we're not in a pandemic actively, right. um, I'm thinking a lot more about the people that the coronavirus took from us. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, Hey, it sounded good at my tweaked your buds. Uh, they're available at a low, low price, low, low price at tweaked But if you use the offer code pretension at checkout, you get one third off that low, low price and no shipping charges. So please go to tweaked and use the offer code pretension. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Tyler? Yes. Let's get into it, shall we? Indeed. Continuing our sort of like on again, off again, uh, series of episodes about actors, mm-hmm. fun episodes about actors. Uh, uh, an episode that, uh, so a couple weeks ago we did, um, TV shows that were turned into movies mm-hmm. inspired by me anticipating the many saints of Newark. Yes. Then seeing the many saints of Newark brought up another idea that I thought of, we talked about before, but, uh, actors who play, multiple movies where one actor plays multiple parts is yes. what I, what I, I want to say because, and again, if you haven't watched many scenes of new work, I'm going to spoil this. Now I, I danced around it on the, on the movie journal, but, um, okay. So be careful if skip ahead or, or wait until you've seen the movie to uh, listen to this. If you, if you care, um, Ray Liotta is in many scenes of new work and then he dies horribly. Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, the guy who killed him goes to visit, Ray Liotta's brother in prison and it's Ray Liotta. Like, yeah. I love that the movie never mentioned he had a twin brother. Right. Just like, Oh, I'm going to see my uncle Sally. And then like Ray Liotta walks out like after yeah. we've seen him get his face bashed in. Um, it's such a, uh, it was such a like shocking moment, but it's great because he's playing a very different character. Yeah. Despite being a twin. Um, and that second character that I didn't even know was going to be in the movie is as we talked about on the, on the movie journal, uh, both of our favorite parts of the movie. Oh yeah. And, and both performances are, are pretty vivid. Uh, I mean, we get a sense of, of, uh, Dickie senior, um, gentleman, Dick, gentleman, no, Hollywood, Hollywood, Dick, Dick. Hollywood, Dick, Dickie yeah. is gentleman, Dick, right? His dad was Hollywood, Dick, yes. Hollywood, Dick, Moltisanti. And just like the, and it's so, it's so interesting because like, uh, Hollywood Dick is just like just an awful person. Yeah. And you, you get a sense of like, yeah, this is probably how Sally, (laughs) uncle Sally would have turned out if he had not been incarcerated. Like they probably would have been a lot, not, not the identical of course, as far as personality, but like they probably would have turned out very much the same. And so you see similarities but you also see that there came a moment where they diverged heavily yeah. and uh it's it really is two really solid performances by ray liotta 
Yeah. Who, um, by the way, claims he has never watched The Sopranos. <laughs> hmm. um, but good for him. Yeah. Uh, and good for him for somehow not being on it the first time. Like um, That's true. They had every like Italian American actor you can think of. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, missed, missed Leota the first time. Um, so yeah, that would, that, that just got me thinking about this, um, actors playing, uh, multiple roles. And I'm definitely, I don't, I don't want to be like, um, genre biased. Cause normally you and I are big defenders of comedy, mm. but I definitely, in looking at movies where this happens, I definitely find it more interesting in non comedic ways. Often in comedies, it's, it's like hanging a lantern on the fact that Eddie Murphy's playing on these roles or Mike Myers is playing on yeah. these roles or, or, or things like that. Um, uh, and, and, and that's sometimes it's less interesting because it's not, um, it doesn't feel, it feels more, more like a comedic exercise than an acting exercise, which is good right. on, on its own. Um, and I do think Mike Myers, like, I mean, when I watch Austin Powers, I do forget sometimes that Dr. Evil yeah. and, and Austin Powers are the same actor. Yeah. Um, so maybe I'm, I'm being too mean, especially since there are actually some really good ones in comedies. Um, one of the uh, first movies I thought of was uh, Joe versus the volcano where Meg Ryan plays That's three, right. three different roles um, over the course of the, of the movie. Yeah, uh, looking at my list, and and it's it's actually uh, I I didn't have time to do a lot of research, so this is all like off the top of my head. Kind of me too. And uh, and I feel bad. I'm sure I I'm sure I left out a bunch, but I realize like oh yes, a lot of these are comedic, and it is meant to underline things. I don't think to the degree that it's meant to emphasize it a little bit, I think Austin powers, I think it, it drops that pretty quick and they just become two different characters Mm -hmm. completely. And then there's just, and then there are more characters that he plays. So he plays fat bastard. He plays gold member. Um, I never found fat bastard funny. There's, there's one line. I think gold members funny accent is funny. (laughs) I've never seen gold member. Okay. uh, And I, and people say that I should at the very least for the opening scene. Um, I don't think you'd need to. Okay. uh, Yeah. Gold member is the character himself. He talks funny and it's funny. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, yeah. Fat bastard. I don't find, uh, I never found that funny, but there are one or two, one or two, just, just the line reading. It's just like, ah, that's funny. Like when he, when he, uh, the idea of, of eating a baby and then, mm-hmm. and trying to eat mini me. And then he tells mini me get in my belly. It's so ridiculous and over the top <laughs> and he sells it. And I laugh every time, even though like on paper, it's something I, I might not find that funny. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, you know, you get to something like kind hearts and coronets. That's, that's a big one where Alec Guinness yeah. plays eight different roles. None of them particularly developed. Yeah. Uh, I think I remember learning that it's technically, if you want to put an asterisk on it, it's technically nine roles. Okay. Because there is like a painting of like the great grandmother or something okay, on the wall. Yeah. And it actually is elegant. Perfect. Like dressed up. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. And so like there, the idea, cause they're all members of the same family. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, the idea that is that this guy is just killing all these members and it's just all the same person and they are all like two dimensional at best. Like you never get to know them. Uh it's just that's not it's not officially necessary, 
but it, it, it makes it, it does make it funnier, I think. Yeah. Um, and then obviously you've got something like Dr. Strangelove, um, where Peter Sellers plays three roles and that's one that is sort of like Austin Powers. I forget yeah. that the president is played by the same guy as Strangelove. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I, I think um, because that's so many of when I was looking these up, so many of them are as with like many scenes in Newark's like Newark, like twins or at least family members. Right. I am more fascinated when they're just playing like just completely different people. <laughs> that happens to be yeah, the, the same actor. There are some. I mean. One of the most baffling dual roles to me is Jack Nicholson in Mars Attacks. <laughs> he plays two roles yeah, in that. Yeah. Like one, I it, love that. And one is very that. clearly, I mean, he's, he's not in any kind of strange makeup or anything, but he, he's Jack Nicholson as the president. But then he's also Art, I think his name is Art Land, uh, who runs a hotel and casino in Vegas. Right. And he's got like this mustache and this stupid hat and these dark glasses. And he's doing like kind of a Southern type accent and he's just garish and over the top. There's no reason at all. Nicholson needs to play that role. Yeah. At all. Um, and it, it's just so it's like, I love Mars attacks I don't think Nicholson is necessarily the best part of it. Right. Um, I feel like he's not given that much to do. And maybe that's the thing is like, well, we don't have, you don't have a lot of laugh lines as the president. So, you know, we'll give you this other character who's also not that funny really. Um, but he's at least more ridiculous. So it's like, so now you've got stuff to do and you can get paid twice, I guess maybe. Um, I don't think that works, but, uh, <laughs> I know, I know that like for a while, um, like on TV, like like uh, for voice actors, you got paid like by the character. Oh, okay. um, I don't know if that's the case anymore. But anyway, um, but that to me is one of the most baffling because it's just there's nothing about that that art character that required Jack Nicholson to do it. And and if they had cast someone else, because a you know, big part of Mars Attacks is the the ensemble cast, uh, they could have had somebody else play that role. And uh, it's not that they would have done more with it but it's just like i don't know it's it, that one always fascinates me and my mind goes to it pretty fast like you'll notice here i wrote on my list the very top says kind hearts and coronets yeah the second one says mars attacks like and i didn't even think of it yeah um even though i do love that movie uh yeah i revisited it a few years ago because the first one i saw mars attacks when i was probably like high school freshman does that sound right freshman sophomore right around there yeah um I like, I liked it and I thought it was funny, but also I was like turned off by how like dark it is and how violent like hmm. it, it is. And I was, it was hard for me to like balance that with the comedy. And now that's what I love about it. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I guess I was just a sensitive kid. Um, but yeah, I, I, you talked about a lot of times it's used to, it, well, there's main, there's, family members which is i think the most common like mm-hmm. these are these are twins or, or or whatever you know um or it's used to illustrate something as you were saying like with um uh captain hook being played by the same actor as uh, sure mr darling darling yes yeah. um i think of jason isaacs right in yeah the um, but it's but it is yeah. always even in in the disney film hans conrad does vo- do, does both voices um yeah, that's 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 clearly an an intentional uh, 
thing. Uh, I can't remember where I, where I was going with that. I want to go back to um, siblings or twins. Mm-hmm. Um, another comedic one that I love is Big Business, where um, <laughs> sure, <laughs> Batman and Lily Tomlin both play uh, twins separated at birth from each other. So they like yeah. Instead of being with their twin, there's like one Bette Midler and Lily Tomlin who grew up rich in the city and one Bette Midler and Lily Tomlin who grew up poor in the country. Um, and they don't know the other exists. Uh, it's a very fun movie. <laughs> now, um, I do want to be... We did an episode about twins last year, and so I want to be careful not to dwell too much on that. But, of course, yeah. it's, it is yeah. inevitable. That's a good point. We did do an episode about twins. Because um, I was going to bring up um, Jeremy Irons. I'm sure we talked about Jeremy Irons last yeah, year. Yeah, of course. Yeah, uh, Dead Ringers. Um, yeah, just the um, the way that as the movie goes on, um, as Dead Ringers goes on, it becomes just second nature knowing which one is which. It's, it's such a great... Uh, performance that i know up to a point though like because there's this one thing that i that i love about dead ringers and maybe and you know what maybe this is just my my uh perspective on it um it feels like he's giving two very different performances that eventually become the same performance oh as it goes on yeah yeah they'd be yeah, yeah. um they'd but, feed uh, off each other yeah um, and then, uh, then you get, yeah. So uh, I'll just r- rattle off some, some twins just real quick. Man in the iron mask, uh, leaves of grass, uh, there will be blood. That's one that I always forget. Um, but yeah, Paul Downer does play two characters in that, um, who are brothers, of course. Although I guess there is always the, the possibility somehow that it's the same, that guy. it's the same yeah. guy. Yeah. Yeah. I've always wondered that. Um, and then I guess technically uh, Bowfinger features twins, but you don't realize it uh, for a while. Right. And it's a wonderful reveal. Man, that movie, there's a lot I love about that movie. And I think Eddie Murphy does great in that, where he plays like this giant movie star uh, and this small production is like, oh, we need to try and, and find a lookalike. And so they find... Eddie Murphy again, but his hair is different. He's got braces. He's got these dumb glasses and stuff. And he's just like this. It's a completely different characterization. But, you know, when they change his hair and stuff, they look yeah. alike, but just they don't act alike at all. Yeah. Um, kind of like the two Hugh Jackmans in The Prestige. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and uh, spoilers, it turns out that there are, uh, there are two Christian Bales as well. Uh, I don't think we ever see them interact okay. with each other. I only, I only saw the prestige once. Okay. So it's, it's yeah, it's been um, a long time. But yeah, there's uh yeah, that's a big part of, of the prestige. Like there are twins, but then there is also a lookalike uh and and that yeah, and that character is is very well played. Um Dave is not about twins. It is about a lookalike. Right. And there's really only one scene where the characters are in the frame and in that moment it's so I think it's brilliant in that moment you realize there are subtle differences like they I'm sure it's a a makeup effect one is a little bit paler than the other and then I think they did something to his nose or or whatever but like so it just it doesn't look a hundred percent right and then obviously they they change the hair so it so that like when they're next to each other they don't it doesn't look exactly right, but you can understand when you, that when you're only seeing one, uh, you think that that's the president. And I always thought that was really clever. And now that I, and now that I have twins, uh, not that the characters are twins, but now that I have twins, it's like, yeah, when they're together, I can see who's who, but 
if you were to just hold up one and say, who is this? I'm like, oh boy, this is going to be tough. Um, well, speaking of, um, impersonators. Okay. Or, or I have two examples in which people who are two examples I can think of on the top of my head in which people who are actually famous in real life mm. play themselves in a movie as well as someone who looks like them. Okay. Um, but I'm trying to remember the name of one of those films. Okay. Uh, okay. So the first one, Gene Autry, the, the big show, Gene okay. Autry plays Gene Autry and Gene Autry stunt double. Okay. And then there's a, um, French movie directed by Claude Lelouch, um, called everyone's life that I saw at, um, Colcoa city of light city of angels, uh, a few years back. And, um, the, uh, someone recently de- departed, sadly, um, uh, Johnny Halliday, who's a rock star, but also an actor. Hmm. Um, he was in uh, Patrice Leconte's, um "The Man on the Train," I think it was called. Oh, okay. Um, but he plays he plays Johnny Halliday himself, and he also plays a Johnny Halliday impersonator. Um, do you have another one you were thinking of? Well, I know that in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, uh, I think they're like. I know that Ben Affleck at the very least plays himself and then the character that he played in chasing Amy. Um, Oh, but, uh, and then I don't know if Matt Damon's character, one scene character from chasing Amy. Yeah, I don't don't think so. Um, and then, uh, and it might, it might be the case with Jason Lee as well, actually, uh, that he plays his character from Mallrats and, Uh, chasing Amy. In fact, I think that is the case. Um, isn't uh, isn't Looney Tunes back in action a situation where doesn't Brendan Fraser play himself and then also like the security guard? No, he is a security guard, but you're right. He does he does also play a different role, and I can't remember who it is. Oh, okay, but yeah, I thought it was himself, but I haven't seen it in many years. Um, oh, I see what you're saying. He plays. No, I think. I don't, does he also appear as Brendan Fraser? I thought he played the character and then appeared as a different character. But does he play Brendan Fraser? Yeah, it's been so long since I've it's seen been, it yeah, that I that I don't long. remember. I I thought that was the case, but now now I don't recall. Um, I'm looking it up. Um. Yeah, there's no. Uh, there's a. This isn't that, but. Um, in uh, nonfiction, a couple of years ago, uh, Julie Binoche plays a character, um, and then at one point, her husband, who's a book publisher, is talking about like, um, "Oh, we're going to do an audio book. Uh, I think we're going to try and get Julia Binoche to read it." <laughs> and he's like saying that to Julia yeah. Binoche. <laughs> uh, and then there's a much more uh, insufferable version of that with uh, Ocean's Twelve, um, where. Never saw it. Yeah, you're good. You're you're fine. <laughs> Where uh, Julia Roberts shows up as herself, but of course she's also the character from the Ocean's film. Uh, so yes, Brendan Fraser. Uh, Brendan Fraser, pardon me, does say does play uh, a character DJ Drake, and then play himself, and then he also does the voice of uh, the Tasmanian Devil, which I didn't know. Good for him. Yeah. Uh, but uh, so looking at this. Um, you know, uh, another thing that that pops up is not necessarily twins, but like members of the same family. Okay. Um, 
Kate Blanchett in Coffee and Cigarettes plays uh, Cousins. That's right. That's a good one. It is. And, and, I mean, that, I mean, and they're I both. Mean, that's a good one, but it's also, that's a good, of the Coffee and Cigarettes shorts, that's it one is. of the better ones. Yeah. Um, and that then, one? Okay. What are the ones you think of? They're also good. But the. Oh, f- oh from Coffee and Cigarettes? Yeah. Alpha, uh, Alpha Merlina uh, one is great. That one might, that one might be my favorite. I do enjoy, just because obviously I'm a Tom Waits fan, I do enjoy Tom Waits and, and Iggy, Iggy Pop. Pop. Um, well, think about I think about that a lot when Tom Waits says um, talks about having quit smoking, and he's yeah. like, "The thing about being quit is you can have one whenever you want because yeah. you quit." <laughs> yeah, now that we now that we've quit, let's just go yeah. ahead and have one. Yeah, um, yeah that one's. But then also, uh, now that then I can't just say Bill Murray's of name; it has to of be course. Bill Murray. Bill Murray. <laughs> Bill um, Murray. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and and of course, yeah. There there are a lot. In, in that film and I haven't seen it in quite a while I own it and I should watch it but uh, but yeah um, and then what's the uh, Back to the Future the the Back to the Future series oh yeah they all play like or a number of them do yeah um, certainly uh, Michael J. Fox plays especially in Back to the Future 3 um, he plays and I guess in Back to the Future 2 I think he plays his own son kids yeah the kids yeah Yeah. that's what he is yeah Uh, and then and then he's like his his old west uh, ancestor but Tom Wilson also played every yeah everyone in Biff's lineage (laughs) yes yes Um, and uh, let's see I'm trying to think what else I mean, but if we I, have more to like, I feel like I, 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 this feels more like early battleship retention where we're just like just listing, listing stuff. Yeah. Stuff. Um, but, uh, uh, like I like the idea of talking about like, why, like why <laughs> did Jack Nicholson do that? Yeah. Um, like I get, it makes sense. It's in like Joe versus volcano or, um, life and death, the Colonel, life and death, the Colonel yes. Wimp to have the same woman play three roles. Like, you know, the men go through changes and they connect with different women over the course of their yeah. journeys. And those women are different, but they represent uh, a continuum or the same thing. Yeah. Like that's, I guess that it, it's, it's pretty cut and dry, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and similarly, I would say, uh, Miranda Richardson in, in David Cronenberg's spider, uh, for, in this case, a reason of like a character who is, uh, schizophrenic, I believe, and just sort of past and present all just kind of blends together. Uh, so you have like a character played by Lynn Redgrave and then becomes Miranda Richardson who played oh, his, yeah. his mother as well. Uh, and I guess in a way, um, I know this, even though I haven't seen the film, uh, the father, I was about to say uh, the father is, is something both, um, like that. Uh, Mark Gaddis and Olivia Williams both, mm-hmm. Um, seem to sort of represent something potentially negative in this person's life. And so yeah. they pop up as, as seemingly different people. We don't know uh, yeah. entirely because we're seeing everything through, through the eyes of, of uh, a person with dementia. Um, yeah, that's, I, I thought about that one as you were saying, uh, what you were saying about um, spider. So for me, like the big, you know, the, the big one is of course cloud Atlas. Yeah. I was kind of saving it for the last, but uh, yeah, that's, I mean, I, I've, I've essentially talked about everything. Um, Oh, you know what? I forgot Mary Poppins. Dick Van Dyke plays two characters. But that's another one where it's like, why is he playing those two characters? I I don't, I mean, Um, I guess, I mean, it's a, 
you know, they're both comedic. Uh, but yeah, there's no particular reason that he needs to play both. You know, it's not a selling point like Nutty Professor uh, or or Coming to America, where it's like, oh my gosh, it's Eddie Murphy playing off of himself. Like, it's not really that. It's just a. It's just something that happens every once in a while. And I, I say that as though it's like a shooting star or something like that. <laughs> Choices are made yeah. that this is what we're going to do. Um, and it's very strange. And like you can hypothesize why. But I, I, I can't come up because to do so, I guess, obviously, you're talking about like artistic decisions. But like, I don't know if there is one behind yeah. Dick Van Dyke playing two characters in Mary Poppins. Um, yeah, the, uh, the one that like bothers me for multiple reasons is in the Harry Potter movies, Warwick Davis plays Professor Flitwick and also plays Griphook, the banker, Yeah, which feels like you guys, there's, there's more like little people who are actors, you know, you didn't need to get like the most famous guy to play both the roles. Uh, Um, and also there's the whole thing of like grip hook and just the goblins in general being yeah. like anti-Semitic stereotypes. I do like his performance as grip hook. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. I think it's very good, but um, yes, there is that. Oh, I thought of another one that I hadn't thought of, but, um, Bill and Ted's bogus journey. Keanu Reeves and Alex Winters both play themselves and sure. the evil robot. Uses. <laughs> <laughs> Uses, yes. Uh, um, yeah. And they're distinct, uh, uh, performances i think it's the one okay uh both movie uh, both of the first two bill and ted movies unfortunately contain the one syllable version of the f slur um uh but at least in bogus journey when the evil robot us is say it it's like well yeah they're evil like it bothers me less (laughs) because it's like well yeah they're not supposed to be uh uh nice people you know it bothers me more when sweet you know, Bill and loving Ted, uh, say it because they're so positive all the time to everyone else. Why would they use those words? But it makes sense for evil robot people to, I'm not saying it's excusable, but I get, you know, right. Why yes, the it's, evil robots would. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> were you, maybe you were on the fence about whether they were evil and then yeah. finally <laughs> it's like, okay, I got it. I got it. But um, okay. Back to cloud Atlas. Which, uh, although I did, th- I yeah. did think of, of another one that was, a, Let's keep that's pushing, pushing yeah. cloud Atlas down the, down the road. Uh, that's like a, it's like a Dave situation. That's uh, the great dictator. Um, oh, where yeah. Chaplin plays sort of his, his standard little tramp character, but then yeah. also Adn- Adenoid Hinkle or something like that. I forget the name of the character fully. Okay. Uh, it might be that. But, uh, but yeah, and two very different performances, of course. Yeah. Um, but I, you also reminded me there's like a Prince and the Pauper type thing in History of the World Part One. Sure. Um, and I guess Mel Brooks does that a lot because he's like Scroob and and yogurt yoga man that's that's a that's a first idea yogurt as a yoda anyway you can just uh, imagine like what i imagine is like mel brooks sitting by himself and instead of yoda he says yogurt and then he lets out a jimmy part like "Ah!" and then (laughs) but then just like mistakes that for a, a, a fully developed idea um but then in um Blazing Saddles also, he's the governor, right? Um, governor, yeah. God, what is it? I don't remember. I can't want to say Prefontaine, but that's the 
the runner Steve Prefontaine, but it's Correct. something like yeah. it's some like something like that. Yeah. Um, but then also he's the Indian chief. <laughs> yeah, that's very, right. <laughs> very sensitive performance uh, there. Um, but I like yeah. that. I mean, the, what's funny? The thing that is funny about him playing the Indian chief is he doesn't do the Indian like. No. He does the like Brooklyn Jew stereotype. Yeah. If anything, he's just like I'm just going to be more me <laughs> yeah. if I can. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah and it's funny i don't even i don't even think about that uh and similarly and of course we're, we're back into comedy now but yeah. uh in the jerk steve martin plays naven and then also plays the cat juggler that's uh funny. in the uh in the uh film within the film that's funny so uh and you know and uh, you know, I think, uh, was it nothing but trouble? I think Dan Aykroyd and John Candy both have dual roles there okay. that are, n- yeah, I try not to think about that movie and people, that's probably for the people best seem to always want to remind me of that movie. Do they do so pleasantly? Like, do they remember it fondly? No, but it seems to okay. just come up. Well, I guess it also came up because, um, God, I, I feel like I can never stop talking about musicians who died, but shock G died mm. a couple months ago from, um, the, the, the rapper who yeah. is, who's, who's in the movie, um, digital underground. Is that what they were? That the sounds right to me. Yes. Um, but, uh, yeah, he became famous for like the Humpty dance, which yeah. was kind of like put him in a box because Humpty was like, not who shock G was. It was like a character that he played yeah. in certain songs. And that just became who he was yeah. anyway. But, uh, I guess that's Chuck G and Humpty are two different songs. Kind of <laughs> like how Marshall Mathers is right. Eminem and Slim Shady. And I guess Marshall Mathers There's three, man. Oh man. It's like <laughs> the, uh, father, son, Holy spirit. Uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, so I was thinking of nothing but trouble and how it's an incredibly ugly film. And, yeah. and I remember, uh, Siskel and Ebert hated it. And they said, like, it's just one of many movies that were greenlit because of Beetlejuice. And then Beetlejuice got me to Michael Keaton, which got me to Multiplicity. Whoa, where, I haven't seen that in so long. Yeah, where he plays four different characters. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was that was probably like a new release VHS rental when mm, I saw it. So that's how long it's been. Then yeah, that, I saw what, it in the 97? theater. In, uh, 97, that sounds right to me. 97, maybe okay. 96. But uh, yeah, I saw it in the theater and that was the last time I saw it. But uh, each, yeah, so you have your, your main character and then he clones himself but each one is like a different aspect of himself is played up more. So like yeah. one is like a much more like macho masculine. One is more like sort of neat and tidy and very Felix Ungerish. And then one of the clones makes a clone and that character is just like off. Yeah. Um, yeah. and it's, it's enjoyable to see him play that broad. Yeah. Uh, cause I feel like, Certainly with, I mean, obviously like Beetlejuice and then something like that. I feel like he hasn't gotten a chance to be that ridiculous and much ado about nothing. Uh, I feel like he hasn't had a chance to be that over the top in a long time. Um, yeah, I didn't even think like if we get into like clones and robots, we could go down a whole other path. Um, <laughs> yeah, I want to say in the island doesn't because Scarlett Johansson and Hugh McGregor are clones don't yes. we meet i feel like we meet the real scarlett johansson do we meet the real both of them i, I don't remember, remember. I, we, I didn't like we that meet, movie very much i remember i liked the the first half of it i okay. liked the, the the sci-fi part of it and then okay. it just gives way fully to action and all um, that and i try not to talk about tv too much but um there's 
Sam Rachel Gellar played Buffy the Vampire Slayer and also the Buffy bot, which mm. like an evil genius made a robot version of her that's like uh, a hyper like sexualized airhead, but okay. is still a robot and still like super strong and can fight. And the Buffy bot ends up like coming up. It's like a it's clearly like a one episode joke thing that the the show was like, oh, we can't let this get away and like they kept finding reasons to bring back the Buffy bot uh, but uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar uh, underrated actor I think um, that's probably true mostly because I, I rarely having not seen a single episode of Buffy I'm sure if I did I would think of her more uh, yeah. in general but uh, yeah um, speaking of TV okay. we didn't talk about uh, um, Garrett Dillahunt playing two completely di- just completely different characters yeah. on on Deadwood. I feel like it was like David Milch liked him and was sad that he killed him off five episodes in and then find a reason to bring yeah. him back for season two. Yeah. Uh, only to kill him again. Yeah. He's um, got a whole season that time. And then and and then but then I was just like Well, you've set a precedent bring him in for season three. What's right. wrong with you? Yeah. And he does have like, I do believe we see a brief flash of him in the movie. In the yes, movie. He is yeah. in the movie. Uh, very, very, very um, briefly. There is, uh, there is a, I was thinking of, of Siskel and Ebert and you know, it's always fun to go on onto YouTube and watch their like worst of the year episodes. Cause I do think they, I don't remember what year, but they were talking about, movies in which actors played multiple roles and there was a movie called Trading Moms in which Sissy Spacek plays multiple characters where like it's it's sort of like the movie North in its own way uh, though I think it came out first um, where like these kids are, are tired of their own moms so they're looking at like different moms but they're all played by Sissy Spacek and and but they're all just different types there's like a like a, a f- like a fun soccer mom, but then there's like this really uh, almost like a devil wears Prada kind of high society mom, but they're all played by by her. I haven't seen the movie, uh, and apparently it was one of the worst of the year, according to Siskel and Ebert. Um, but yeah, and and even that, I mean, it's it's a comedy, and it's also the sort of meant for children. Uh, but even that has there's there's a reason. I feel like there's a reason for it, which is I, on, I guess you could say actor's vanity, but also this idea that like they can, they're looking for someone else, but in actuality, right. It's all just going to be sort of a, a, they're all going to, it's always going to be a mom and you're always going to have a problem with authority or, or whatever. And you're just naturally going to fight against whoever it is. Um, you're reminding me of like, there, there are some movies where it's like, you know, kind of like mindfucky type movies where it's like, is this two different characters? So like mm. there are two Patricia Arquettes in Lost Highway. Yeah. Or are there? Oh. Um, and then that's kind of the whole premise of enemy that Jake Gyllenhaal yes. is, might be the same person or that's true. Yes. I forgot about enemy. Yeah. Um, I wish I liked that movie more. <laughs> I know. Um, well, I know the main reason you don't. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. Don't remind me of that. Um, it's also just oh, a, there's a, a scare to spiders uh, in case you didn't know. I, yeah. Uh, so, and that's a, yeah, we've talked about it before. That's the movie where no one expects there to be spiders and then there are spiders like a lot, kind of yeah. a lot in the movie. There's yeah, there it's, it's off putting. 
uh, and it's the, and it's also the last image of the film. Oh boy, uh, it's getting me already just thinking about. It. Uh, yeah, I keep bringing up my my uh, in in some capacity. I keep bringing up my my documentary because obviously it's about horror and and that sort of thing. And so I do have a section devoted to spiders. And while I was editing that section, I had horrible nightmares about spiders and tarantulas specifically. Um, but yeah, and so I, I really wanted to. And I wanted other people to, to feel my pain. Um, you know, I, mi- I missed my chance when we were talking about History of Little Part 1 and, like, uh, one of the characters being a king to talk about the man in the iron mask. Yeah, I, I kind of skipped over it. Uh, that's uh, I mentioned it, but obviously in every in every uh, situation, like, it's a, it's a dual role. Um, I... Just because of my age, I think of, like, the one with DiCaprio. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, but it's been adapted multiple times. There are also like in Googling this, there are things that like someone who's like in a movie and then also has a cameo where they're kind of disguised and you don't realize it. I don't, right. I'm not really counting that because it seems more like a trivia thing. But apparently, and maybe people know this, uh, in the part when Forrest Gump is running, mm-hmm. one of the reporters who asks him a question is played by Sally Field, who also plays his mom. Really? <laughs> apparently, that's something that I learned from Googling. I oh. Uh, I, I didn't know that. I I don't think I'm. I wasn't planning on watching Forrest Gump anytime soon, but now I feel like I have to. So well, I you can could just watch the one scene. Sure. Oh, and um, there's a lot of good in Forrest Gump. It's a, it's unfortunate. Like I don't love the movie by any stretch, but there's a lot of good. I, that that's always my problem with Robert Zemeckis is that yeah. like I can never just. I wish I could just dismiss his movies out of hand. Yeah. When I don't like them, but like. Um, Welcome to Marwin is fascinating. And sure. then it is, has the most dumb, pandering, insulting ending. That's all, all, often the case with my complaint about Robert Zemeckis is that he puts stuff in his movies. He builds a time machine out of a DeLorean. <laughs> that I'm like, do you think that's funny or do you think us dumb rubes will think that's funny? <laughs> and that's how I feel about a lot of the stuff in his movies is that like he hangs a lantern on stuff or he, or he panders or he kind of like second guesses himself. Yeah. But I think his instincts are so fascinating. And when he, when he sticks to it and when, and when it works all the way through, like with who framed Roger Rabbit or in my, opinion allied i know mm-hmm. not, uh, a lot of people love allied um i really like it i've cast uh, away cast away cast away, i like yeah. i need to rewatch what lies beneath it's been way too long it's been a long time for me as well yes um uh but by the way speaking of jake gyllenhaal as i was before uh he's also got the thing in nocturnal animals where he's a novelist yeah and then we're also seeing the novel yeah and he's the main character there so i'm not sure if that is he the only overlap like do we see aaron taylor johnson or anybody else like a version of them in in no, real life i don't i don't think so i think okay. it's just him but yeah um, yeah I, I could be i I'd, I'd be okay with being wrong um yeah i didn't uh that's speaking of what i was just saying that's a movie that i can't fully sign off on nocturnal animals but it's also it got has some things that got its hooked into me too i feel like i need to watch it again at the time i don't think i was quite ready for it and what it was doing and i i would i think i would like to watch it again because it was very striking in a lot of ways yeah yeah um all right so let's uh should we get into cloud atlas then let's do it because we're not talking about like uh, sorry to not get into Cloud Atlas yet. There are things like the Monty Python movies. Everybody plays a bunch of roles. Yeah, Kids in the Hall. Yeah, the yeah, whole Kids thing. In the Hall, yeah. yeah. Um, 
but uh, yeah, Cloud Atlas. Uh, they are all the characters are playing all the actors are playing different characters um but there are arcs mm-hmm. for many of them they don't always go in a straight line or obviously an arc doesn't go in a straight line I'm an idiot. yeah right. um, but they don't always go in a logical uh line and sometimes they literally do go in a straight line when it's not an arc like with hugh grant is uh Hugh Grant is bad in every yes, <laughs> in, in everyone. He's like and the I one guy who stays bad the entire time. What about Hugo Weaving? Is he? I feel like he's negative the whole time. Oh, maybe he is. Yeah, I'm trying to. Uh, I definitely know Hugh Grant is, but I I, I think Hugo Weaving is too. But I might be um, wrong. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. Uh, any excuse to watch Cloud Atlas again? I'll, sure, uh, I'll take it. Um, but yeah, uh, Tom Hanks clearly has the. Um, the 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 biggest arc, um, sure. I, I think if you if you actually like plot his things out sort of um, uh, uh, chronologically, right? Because um, is the what's the earliest? Well, no, see that actually that's not true because the earliest one is the seventies one where he's a nice guy, he's the doctor. No, no, uh, no, you're right. The earliest one is the. The, oh, the, tre- the treacherous doctor. Yes. Yes. Then he's the nice. Di- so he, yeah, he also doesn't go in a straight line because he, um, becomes nice and then gets blown up on a plane. Yeah. Uh, but then he's like a, uh, uh, murderous thug of a British writer, British novelist who throws a guy off the, off the, roof. yeah, throws a critic off a building. Uh, yeah. 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 Played by Alistair Petrie, I think. Right. I don't recall. All right. Um, but yeah, although, I mean, his, that character is obviously like, we don't like him, but also he is, he is charismatic and we're supposed to kind of like him to a certain extent. Right. Yeah. I Not guess. that he's a good guy. Yeah. I, I wouldn't want to be right. alone. Sure. Sure. <laughs> or I wouldn't want to be in the same room with him at all. I don't think that, uh, yeah, that's probably right. Clearly he doesn't care for critics that much. <laughs> um, but this is, I mean, there's no like there's no mystery to unlock as to, as far as like why the, the Wachowskis yeah. and, uh, Tom Tickford did this. This is kind of the nature of, of David Mitchell's Mitchell's novel that these, mm-hmm. that, that things cycle down, uh, through time and everything is, is connected, but it is interesting how, um, uh, how they chose to, to allocate, these these roles you know because um i guess i I latch on to tom hanks because he's he's not the main character in everyone but he's he has a significant presence in every single story i think he might be the only one i'm trying to remember uh because in that one the where he's the writer holly berry doesn't even have a line she just like right uh, is a woman on the rooftop um who sees him (laughs) murder the critic yeah um but um he might be the only one it's yeah it's i haven't seen it since i saw it in the theater i would like to watch it again um i think i because i was not oddly enough not for this i was looking into the film for for other reasons recently and uh i think i was surprised at how many actors are in it that show up multiple like keith david I forget that he's oh, and, um, that he's in it. Susan Sarandon is yeah. uh, a number of times, um, including once playing like very problematic, but playing like an old Korean man. <laughs> well, and that so this is actually what what brought me to like 
because we were because in in my uh, diversity in cinema class we were talking about like depictions of like east asians and that sort of thing and talking about the idea of whitewashing but also you get to something like cloud atlas and thematically i get i mean you just said it like the idea of like the cyclical nature of of man and like just seeing like tracing the ups and downs of of man throughout history and then projecting into the future and the future as depicted uh in the film is is takes place in is it japan i think or is no, it no, or it, it is south korea yeah. okay that's right um new soul new soul yes of course of course it would have to be called that wouldn't it <laughs> yeah um yeah how silly of me i could have arrived there on my own but uh <laughs> anyway uh so, so like, okay, we're going to focus in on that probably because I imagine the book does as well. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, all right, we got to stick with our thing of having everybody play, you know, these characters, even yeah. though the only one that is, that looks the part is Rinko Kikuchi. Yes. Uh, no, that's not uh, Dunabai. Oh, oh, right. Who? Rinko Kikuchi is from Babel. Babel, she's, that's she's right. Yes, yes. I got them. I, I'm sorry. He's Korean. I feel bad now. I'm now I'm like super racist. I mean, I already was, <laughs> but now everyone knows. Right. Um, but yeah, and so uh, so yeah, they only had like one person that is actually of like yeah. East Asian descent, and so like and I guess in not that I need to defend it, but uh, Dunabai does play a white woman at one point yeah. in in the movie, and then also plays a Mexican woman in the San Francisco one, right? Isn't she supposed to be? Oh, that I don't uh, recall. At the, at the factory that they, when they're, um, when Holly Berry and Keith David are being chased right. by Hugo Weaving, they run through a factory and, oh. uh, the Mexican woman who like they surprise, I think is Dunabai. But then at the end, very end of the earliest one, the, the, the anti-slavery mm-hmm. couple, uh, when, when it comes up, she's like a freckled redheaded, redheaded girl. I do remember <laughs> that because how could you not? Yeah. It's like, it's like, Whoa, when did, when did Chucky get involved? <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, but you get to the end and, and it really is not the end. Sorry. Like you, you see that section and you're just like, okay, I get what they're doing and I get why this is necessary. It does. And, and I'm not condemning it because it does. It just fits with what they're doing. Um, there's also, but I also wonder when I watch the movie, I don't know if this is intentional or not, but like, this isn't just, it doesn't just take place in Seoul. Here again, I am defending it. I'm not, if you find that, uh, troublesome, I have no quibble. Sure. Quibble. Qualms. Qualms with that. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't just take place in Seoul. It takes place in the distant future. And I've always wondered, if there, is there supposed to be some sort of suggestion that, like, in an increasingly globalized world, ethnic features would start to blend into it? I did have that thought. I, and I think that's... It's, it's tough, because I'm, I'm absolutely willing to entertain mm-hmm. that notion. And I feel like it's so far in the future that it's like, yeah, maybe this is just... It is this sort of blending of... of of features and ethnicities and that sort of thing. That said, they, they had to have known that like, yeah, that might not come through and people might just think, uh, yeah, we put these, uh, we use a computer and put like these eyes on, uh, (laughs) Hugh Grant. What do you think? Yeah. And then that also doesn't hold up to them. Well, then why isn't the distant, distant future one, uh, the the true true one, why is everybody white there? Especially since they're, I'm not sure if it's clear 
because I've read the novel, so sometimes stuff bleeds in. Yeah. Is it clear in the movie that they're they're in Hawaii? It uh, wasn't to me, okay. but, but in, in, yeah. in the novel, it all but like okay, it, it clearly says yeah. that that's where that takes place. So then, that's doubly <laughs> like troublesome that there there aren't like there are no Native Hawaiians left, yeah. just just like the uh, descendants of white people. Well, there's that line that Literally Tom the Hanks descendants. It's yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> future Bo Bridges and George Clooney. There's that line that Tom Hanks character says where he goes, Oh, thank God we resegregated. Um, <laughs> whew, that was a load off. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's so it, I mean, it is, it's, it's troublesome, but it's, I won't say that I, I give it a pass. It's not, it's just that like, yeah, maybe they shouldn't have done it, but I get why they did it. And, and I'm sure they, I, wa- I also want to believe, and I, and I do believe that there was consideration put into it. That like they thought, like okay, this could this could get us in some trouble. This could be insensitive. It, it, it is insensitive in some ways, but it is worth it for what we are doing. Um, I don't know, but I think it's just uh, maybe this is my privilege speaking. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I talked about this on a Patreon episode that might not have aired yet. The idea of my sort of shifting philosophy on separating the art from the artist. Uh, though that's not, I don't think that's aired. Okay. Um, well, patreon.com slash battleship retention. If you want the full, uh, uh, scoop there. But, um, so again, I, so I, I, I recognize that like my ability to do so comes from a place of like not being one of the wronged parties on whatever. Um, but, uh, I think you can find the Asian uh, uh, Asian face or whatever uh, yeah. you would call it wrong and troublesome. I hate that we can't say problematic anymore. It's such a great word, but now it's become it's like got a so hashtag. Much, so yeah, yeah. Um, it can be troublesome and Cloud Atlas can still be a good movie. Yeah. I feel that way, but I also, I understand why maybe if I were Korean, I wouldn't feel that way. Yeah. Again, in, in, in the class that I, that I'm teaching, you know, the, the first, the first movie that we watched was the Lion King. And we talked about like the coding of scar is gay, but also talking about the way the hyenas are depicted and that sort of thing. And so, and we had a really great conversation about it. And one thing that I, tried to tell people, it was like, you can still love Lion King. It could still like, it can still be one of your favorite movies. Yeah. It, this doesn't have to ruin your childhood. It's just like acknowledging like, yeah, maybe this thing wasn't the best, but it's still, it can still be tremendously effective. I know that you, you know, adored cloud Atlas when it came out and you yeah. still do. Um, but also I'm, I still I, really enjoy it. This is, um, you're probably um, assuming you're dealing with this cause you're teaching younger people like, our generation doesn't necessarily like stand things as much as the younger people do, you know, just like make like, I'm a fan of this thing and that is my identity. Like I'm not saying that that's obviously existed for a long time, sure. but I feel like it's, um, uh, I don't know, things like Tumblr or whatever have made that more of a, a whole, a person's just whole ass personality. Sure. Um, and so that idea, I, I, I it feels like, and now I feel like I'm an old man talking about the young kids, but things, you know, things change. Um, it, it feels like that idea of you can recognize that there are problems with the thing that you love mm-hmm. is maybe more foreign to a younger demographic than it would be to us. I don't know if that's right. 
I don't know. Yeah, I'm not. I'm really not sure. Um, not only am I not of that generation, but I, I also feel like on various levels, I'm not in any position to ask anybody. Uh, like, because I just not that it would be inappropriate, but I'm just not sure. Like the the like my students. Cause I do occasionally ask my students like, Hey, you're all younger. Like I remember a, f- a couple years ago, I was like, does anybody here listen to podcasts? I wasn't even trying to, right. I wasn't going to mention this. Uh, but it's like, does anybody listen to podcasts? And there was like one or two hands. I was like, okay. Yeah. Like, whereas if you were to talk to people our age, probably a lot more hands, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it's, uh, so I, I would like to sort of take the temperature and I was literally about to say like, Hey, listeners, uh, weigh in on this. And then I realized like, no, our listeners are probably our generation, maybe a few years younger here and there, but not enough to be considered, that reminds you me. know, the, the next generation. Um, it's just, it's just always fascinating how things like sort of fall out of, um, in and out of the consciousness as generations go on. I was, and now I can't remember the name of the author, but the AV club had a, uh, uh, an editorial, just a sort of a farewell to Daniel Craig as James Bond. Mm-hmm. And the writer whose name I'm forgetting, uh, pointed out that, or made, you know, said that Daniel Craig is maybe the first bond to escape the shadow of Sean Connery. And that's partially due to his performance, but also partially due to the fact that it's been so long that there are James Bond fans who have never really associated John Connery with sure with role because it's been, you know, uh, what was the last time he played it? Even, er- even if you're counting never say never again, which doesn't count, it, right. it's still like 35 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, yeah. And it's entirely possible. Uh, and I'm not even necessarily, necessarily, necessarily generation, but I just think media consumption, May, may of younger people, whether it be like young on the younger side of our generation or, or the younger gener, uh, the, the next generation, um, the, there does seem to be, this does, this has come through as far as like the classes that I teach just, uh, very much focusing on what's happening now and less interest in where things came from. And, Maybe that's just the nature of being young. Yeah, but I think it, that's, I mean, I, I think people like you and me who were watching old black and white movies in, sure. in high school, we were the exception to the rule then, and I think would be now. I think that is just a normal, like, young thing. Because I remember, like, my my younger brother, who, like, now has, I think, and he's always had good taste, but I remember, like, um... He, I, I can't remember. I can't think of the example. He was like into some band, and I was like, "Oh, if you like that, you should check out this music from like yeah. the '60s or whatever." And he's like, "I don't care about that. I like this now. This yeah. new thing. I don't need to know." Yeah. Which you know, it's interesting as you tell me that story. I'm uh, furious, um, <laughs> but uh, at your brother, if I could maybe give him a call. Uh, but no, it's well. That reminds me. Okay. Uh, um. Avril Lavigne, you remember when, when, when she had like skater boy out and Mm -hmm. she was like referring to herself as like punk and like, um, I mean, in many ways she obviously wasn't really, um, what I would think of as punk rock, but, uh, she gave an interview in which she was, people were, cause people love to like 
put women, young women on the spot when they say like this thing. And it's like, Oh yeah. Answer all these questions. About right. Me. And I hate that. But like, she didn't know like something about the sex pistols or whatever. And she, her at, she said something like, why do I need to know about the sex pistols? They're like old and I'm young. And like a lot of old punks were like, Oh, that's blasphemous. But I was like, that's a very that punk attitude. Yeah, yeah. Thing I've ever heard. yeah. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah. And I do, and I do wonder if maybe like, I think just as you, as you get older, like you just almost by default, you find the things you like. And I don't even just mean like from a pop culture standpoint, it could be like a specific team or something like that, or just a hobby. And you just find that thing along the way. And then the more interest you take in that thing, it's like, well, let's, let's start digging. Um, and I think you and I and people like us probably found our thing at a slightly younger age than others, um, which happened to be movies. But I love that we got here from cloud Atlas. Yeah. It's, I, I figured we'd get somewhere from cloud Atlas. I just wasn't sure where, but I, and I watched again now. I do feel, I do feel self-conscious. I feel old now like I, because you and I are like spe- I feel like you're officially old when you start speculating about people that are younger like what because, might be going on exactly exactly uh, <laughs> and, and realizing like well I don't have anyone have anyone I could ask because all my friends are also old but I think I mean we're not dismissing young people that's that's the point that I never want to get to where right. I'm like I never want to get to that. Uh, yeah. Like uh, kids today are worse in some way. Like they might become a mystery to me as they are yeah. becoming as I'm as I'm getting older. But I think I still trust that they are people enough to right. consider their opinions and values, however much however different they may be from my own, to be valid. Yeah, and and also that idea of like a young person is experiencing a very specific kind of problem that as you get older, you realize like this is when you are older, you're not, you're going to realize this is not a big deal. It's like, yes, but a person needs to arrive there on their own in order to, to actually get there. You can't really rush them through that. Uh, just the nature of, of life is that you have to experience it. It has to be the end all be all to you. And only in retrospect, do you realize, Oh, you know what? Probably wasn't that big of a deal. Can't go around it. Got to go through it. Exactly. All right. I think that's a good place to end. You can find us at battleshipretention.com. You can email us at david at battleshipretension.com or tyler at battleshipretension.com. You can follow me, David, on Twitter at DaveyPretension. You can also check out my other podcast, The One Where I Met Your Mother, where my wife, Natalie, and I uh, watch one episode of Friends and one episode of uh, How I Met Your Mother every week. Uh, This week was a fucking slog Hmm. um, because I went into this, uh, for people who don't know the 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 premise natalie is a much bigger fan of friends than i am i've only seen like sort of a handful um i'm also a much bigger fan of how i met your mother she's seen almost none at all and so i went in knowing like friends has a reputation for things having not aged well in terms of like right. um it's um a lot of gay gay panic jokes and and natalie has warned me there's some transphobic things coming up that i um am getting my my teeth for um but uh uh this this uh, uh pairing of episodes we watched this week was trying on both shows cuz we first we had Ross acting in a way that's supposed to be like him pining for Rachel but in retrospect given what we've 
you know, what we've since learned about the sort of like nice guy, whatever archetype sure. actually comes across as like really like ugly and, 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 uh, spiteful and vindictive and mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, so I was like, Oh, watch that. I'm like, Oh, glad that's over with me. Go to the, uh, the much more woke and enlightened how I met your mother. <laughs> no, they did an episode that featured a, um, uh, sex worker obviously didn't use that term because we weren't using that term widely in, in 2006, but uh, has some, you would think it was, it, it, it was just as old as, as friends, if not older, the, the regressive and demeaning ways that it talks about um, sex work. Uh, and so I, I, I just got whiplashed from uh, one very upsetting thing to the next. And you can hear me and Natalie unpack all that on the one where I'm in your mother this week. <laughs> Sounds great. Yeah. Sounds very appetizing. You can, I mean, we're also like super cute and everything. That's true. Yes. You can uh, follow Tyler on Twitter at Tyler Pretension. Tyler, do you have anything to plug? Uh, not right now, but be on the lookout for uh, my documentary, Valley of the Shadow, The Spiritual Value of Horror, which will be coming out the last week of this month, just in time for Halloween. And, uh, and I will tell you more as, as we get there. All right. Uh, other than that, thanks for listening. We'll get you next time. Bye. Bye. This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet. 